This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Well, if you ask yourself, you know, what if this isn't about me? Uh, that creates an interval because what immediately happens is you feel triggered and defensive. And as soon as you take on that emotionality that she's experiencing, you get into a fight and you lose your power. So you want to take a breath and step back and say, what if this isn't about me? And then you start to become sensitive to the feeling she's trying to express behind the complaint because behind the big story and the upset and the anxiety that's being shared with you, is some feeling or desire, you know, that wants to be expressed. Dory one, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to the Military Veteran Dad, episode 57. Just this past week, we passed a big milestone for the podcast. We passed 7,000 downloads. Saying out loud still is almost unbelievable. It's like saying $7,000. And if you're an average middle-class person, $7,000 is a lot of money. So when you talk about $7,000, it just seems almost unbelievable still. And to hear that number has just been incredible because it's also humbling to say that 7,000 people have downloaded the episodes and the messages that I've created with this podcast. And if you're a dad out there listening to this and you're still struggling, you've been listening to podcasts, you've been trying to figure out what else could be missing? I'd like to challenge you that the community and friendship might be that one thing that you've been missing. And that's why I started the Facebook group last summer where we could have dads coming together, share what's on their heart, and just feel like they're part of something, even if it's very simple, and it's held together with Facebook glue in this case, that we're just coming together to do life together. And you're not meant to share everything that life gives you. And the Facebook group is just an easy way to one, get to know me a little bit better, but then also just share what's going on in your heart that day. Because when you share it, you often, other people will come closer and men love helping men. And so if you have a problem that's been on your heart for a while, join the Facebook group, drop it in. There's a link for it right there down in the show notes of every episode almost since last June almost to join the Facebook group. So if you haven't joined, I'm not sure what you're waiting for because amazing conversations are happening on over there. And if you've been a long-time listener or a first-time listener, the one way that this podcast grows is simply just by sharing it. So if there's a friend in your life, a military dad, or it doesn't have to be military dad, I've found that many non-military dads are also felt uh, loyal listeners as well. Share with a friend because that one episode, that one thing they may need to hear, maybe that one episode that pulls them back from the edge of convincing themselves that their family is better without them and convinces them that there's a strong reason for them to come home 
and be present. Today's guest for more than two decades has helped successful men like you reclaim their masculine power to become the kind of leaders and lovers they've always dreamed of being. She says you can have great sex, respect, and the love you desire without having to bargain or compromise who you are or what matters to you. She knows this because she has witnessed hundreds of her clients achieve this level of personal success in every area of their lives time and time again. It's her passion to empower you and to set you free so that you can live life on your own terms, unlock your hidden potential, and open a woman to the ecstatic intimacy. And the best part, the guest today, is I've never been more excited to get an episode out in there because this episode has already transformed my life in many ways as I started to implement some of the things that we talk about And I know it's going to make a lot and a big impact in one of the areas that matters most to men, which is the marriage. Because when the marriage runs well, everything else can run well. And this episode is just a very good resource for unpacking a lot of things that military dads aren't even probably consciously aware of are things that maybe they're leaving out the table to make a stronger marriage. And if you like what she has to say, she also has a book called Open Her, Activate Seven Masculine Powers to Arouse Your Woman's Love and Desire. And there's also a link for that down in the show notes. So without further ado, let's get started with today's episode with Karen Brody. Welcome to the podcast, Karen. I'm really excited for this episode. Thanks, Ben. I'm excited to be here as well. I first heard you on the Dad's Edge podcast. And the title was very provocative, and it was about a, an area that was always close to men's heart, which is sex and marriage and love and passion and intimacy. But these are things that men don't like talking about, but we often want to know the secrets. We're not often willing to do the work, or we often kind of just keep troubleshooting in our head trying to figure out the secrets of how women work, which never mm-hmm. leads to anywhere successful usually because it's just a giant rabbit hole that goes nowhere. Wow. Well, we can dispel of some of the secrets today. And I was actually thinking when I was listening to some podcast episodes of yours, uh, getting ready for this interview, there was one thought that I was kind of thinking that you were talking about how there's always this mixed matched communication styles between men and women. And I was thinking like, because most men, I've often had the thought like, why can't it just be simple of you help meet my needs, I help meet your needs, and we both become happy. Like that seems like our logical brains state to go towards. And I think for military dads being very logical and mission driven, we often think like it's a try to create a win-win, but then in reality, emotionally, the part that people don't talk about, or we don't get a lot of training and how to understand never actually works that way. Hmm. Well, you know, it helps a lot to know something about how women function emotionally because They are very different from men, as I'm sure you've realized. And um, I feel like when men decide that women are this great mystery that they can't figure out, you know, it really gets in their way. Sure, there's a mysterious aspect of the feminine and the masculine. But I think that the more you understand a woman's emotionality in her heart and how that functions, um, the easier it is to make a very deep connection with her. So, for example, um, we know that women have more emotional matter in the brain, and therefore, most of what we think about is emotional. Most of what we experience is emotional. And what we want most for men is really just a sense of acceptance. 
Um, not only for, for the fact that we can't always rein our emotions in, but for the fact that um, there's a gift in that. There's a gift in the depth and the breadth of what we can feel. And it's a big part of why men are attracted to us. So rather than feeling like our partners tolerate what we go through emotionally or learn to manage it, what we really want to feel is that you get it um, on some empathetic level, that you understand that, yeah, we're not the same. You experience your emotionality very different from mine. And really what we want to hear from you is like, it's okay. Whatever you feel, it's okay, you know? And that in and of itself, and of itself makes us feel supported, loved, and protected by you. The one other thought I was thinking about is when we think about trying to troubleshoot women or figure out this mystery, I often think when men go from this approach, the one thing we're looking for is control. And I think that's why sex is so powerful for men. I think that's why all of the things that men do in life is a lot to try to gain control over their life. And sex in the bedroom, I think, is one place where we do feel in control or that we feel that it allows us to change a feeling that we're not currently working with. Though I think in the military, it makes us worse because we have a culture of pornography. We have a culture of just kind of um, not viewing women in the best light or being around men that don't often talk about women in the best light. So we're around a mindset that doesn't necessarily breed the right way to approach women. And it just creates this problem. Do you find in your coaching of men that finding that control is something that's a commonality that they approach marriage as to try to, to have that feeling of control in their life, but use marriage as a tool to fulfill that? Definitely. And I, um, I'm glad you touched on that because I think that for men, women's emotional experience can feel out of control and that's uncomfortable for you. Um, and particularly, I imagine for military men who are used to um, things being structured and orderly, right? And so um, a woman's emotions can feel, you know, like something run amok, um, even scary to a man. And so oftentimes he feels like it's my imperative to get this under control, to fix it, to, to make it go away. And what women really want is so contrary to that. What we really want is just to hear you say, you know, it's okay. Whatever you're feeling is okay. We want acceptance and we want to be able to express our emotions in a way that allows us to feel relief. So when we're feeling a lot of negative emotions, it can feel really uncomfortable. And when we try to get those emotions out with our partners, it can feel really uncomfortable for them too. And so they try to bring it under, under control by looking for solutions. From a woman's perspective, that feels like we're being shut down because our desire is to express, and through that expression, we feel that sense of emptiness and relief that we're so seeking. When the man is seeking to resolve it and make it go away, it feels to her like in a way she's being rejected. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to you? It does. And I find for like, for me, I've, I'm kind of, I'm more in touch with my emotions than I think most men are. And I feel a lot. I often, I almost consider myself an empath because I can really feel the, the emotions of people around me very quickly. And then I have kind of absorbed them. And even just like in the last month, I've really put this mind idea that around that was really getting me was I was in a river of my emotions and others, but then there are these other undercurrents 
of, of uh, water that were kind of brushing me away. And sometimes that would be my wife or other people around me. And I think that's what scares men is there are those undercurrents. And if you don't realize how to maintain your own control, not control of others, but maintain your own control through that, like that's kind of a hat trick that men need to figure out of how do you stand still in a river of undercurrents and rapids through a storm kind of at the same time, and then be on the other side ready to receive whatever is on the other side of that um, wave. Exactly. I love that metaphor of the undercurrents because it would feel to you like as a man that it could pull you under. And, mm-hmm. and it's scary. It's, it's um, like my wife's a teacher, so she brings home a lot of anxiety and that anxiety I feel then as well. And then I become overwhelmed and then I kind of just feel like I'm floating in a dinghy in the ocean without really anybody there to help me almost because I've floated away so quickly with what I felt and I lost control. And then, and then I come from a point of needing help to find my way back and that can come back through. Um, I loved when you were talking one podcast about um, the bargaining that men and women do, especially in our modern society. I feel like the bargaining has happened and I found it, we, we did it in our marriage as well. And that's kind of a way to kind of like regain control, but that's not the mechanism to use to regain control. If anything, that just creates more social contracts that weakens your relationship, not strengthens it. Mm. Yeah. And you know, to expound more on what you said about the undercurrents, I, I get it that with men sometimes, and not for you, um, because you seem to be you seem to be very fluent emotionally. But for some men, there is this fear that if they feel what they feel, it will take over, and that might result in acting in ways that are violent, um, that can't be taken back. And so, when a woman is escalating emotionally, it can feel scary to a man. Like this is this is going to a bad place. But what I really want to say, both for feeling your own feelings and and being empathetic to hers, is if you can help her land it or you can land your own emotions. Landing means you just, you're able to be with it. You're able to Mm -hmm. feel it and not run from it. I mean, all kinds of addictions are all about running from emotions, running from what we feel. All sorts of um, um difficulties in in relationships tend to be around running from what we feel. So if we can land it, if you can help her land it um, and not take it personally and be someone who can really um, acknowledge and accept what she's feeling and be supportive about it, it really can make a huge difference. What's some advice that you coach men with to hear that advice? And sometimes it may be hurtful. Sometimes you're being attacked when it's something else the trigger is and we're just the person standing there. What did what advice do you coach men through to stand through that storm and kind of objectively look at the emotion versus reacting to it? Well, I think if if you think of yourself as a leader in the situation rather than as a victim of what's being expressed, it makes a real big difference because then you you learn to negotiate it differently. Sure, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good when women are complaining. And women do that as a matter of habit because we're passive speakers. Rather than saying what we want, we complain. You know, you Mm -hmm. never give, you don't spend time with me. You you don't come in the house. The issue is never what they're saying. It's two sentences behind what they're not saying. Well, oftentimes, um, they're not directly asking for what they really want, which is, I want to spend more quality time with you. I want to feel more supported by you. Um, men do that. Men speak more directly. 
Um, so, no, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> what, what, what advice do you coach men to, to receive that emotion without reacting to it? Ah, okay. Well, if you ask yourself, you know, what if this isn't about me? Uh, that creates an interval. Because what immediately happens is you feel triggered and defensive. And as soon as you take on that emotionality that she's experiencing, you get into a fight and you lose your power. So you want to take a breath and step back and say, what if this isn't about me? And then you start to become sensitive to the feeling she's trying to express behind the complaint. Because behind the big story and the upset and the anxiety that's being shared with you is some feeling or desire, you know, that wants to be expressed. I'm lonely, I'm scared, I don't feel safe, these kinds of things. So if you can become sensitive to that, then you can help her to target that and communicate that to you in a way that lands it. And as I was prepping for this interview, there was one word that kept coming into my mind for military dads that a good portion of the military community starts from a place of being broken. They joined maybe because they were a misfit. Maybe they didn't fit into life and they were looking to find fulfillment by military service. And from that position of coming to find fulfillment from something else, from a point, a point of feeling broken or not enough or insignificant, that also like breeds insecurity. That That's what almost immediately triggers you to react to those emotions because there's insecurities that you own yourself hasn't dealt with. So if you aren't able to almost look at yourself in the mirror and love the person looking back, you're almost not able to unconditionally love the person that's giving you this raw emotion that you need to deal with. Exactly. I don't know that any of us can love unconditionally, but I, I do know that it's hard to be a carriage for a woman. It's hard to be uh, the banks to the river when there's so much chaos going on within yourself. Mm -hmm. And the chaos is around your self-worth. And um, so, yeah, then when your woman is bringing you all kinds of noise, so to speak, around what you're not doing well for her, it can feel like you're under attack. And naturally, when you feel like you're under attack, you put up the shield and you go into a defense. So, um, you know, working on yourself, working on being with what you feel, working on being with the projections you have about yourself as not good enough is a really important part of being powerful in a relationship with a woman. I always say you're only as powerful as the relationship you have with yourself as a man. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you get into the arena with your woman and you know, she's going to break you down. Mm -hmm. She's going to destroy you because you don't, you don't have a way of sitting with yourself and, um, and clearing and centering so that when you get into the emotional fray with her, you really can be a powerful leader. What are some of the advice that you give men who do feel small or insignificant or maybe just lack confidence in general that to start asking themselves hard questions about things inside. When you start peeling back that onion, what are some of your favorite questions to tool the, the man with? Well, because my work's about men in relationship to women, we tend to be talking about 
their powerlessness in relationship to that woman. So the thing that I help them look at is the, one of the things is the divine nature of what they're made for as men, because there isn't a lot of this information in you know American, Canadian, Western cultures mm-hmm. around the value that men bring, um, the divine you know power and beauty that men bring to the world and to women's lives, and so they often feel like what their wives want is more important than than what they want. Yeah, we're it's a very submissive culture to the because and I think it's almost we sacrifice our power because our women have something that we want, which is sex. And so then we come from the position of the bargaining part to try to get there and then actually sacrifice the one thing that we really had on our own without it. Exactly. And the thing that she was so attracted to, to begin with, was your power. Your power is um, the way you trust yourself, the way you tap into your own wisdom, uh, your own sense of direction and knowing about what's right for you and your family and you know yourself in the world. And when you start turning that over to her and to her decision-making, you know, in a state of frustration, or you feel like every time I make a decision, she criticizes me. And so you back down, then she loses faith in you as a man, you know, that you can be there for her, that you can protect her, that you can lead. Um, in the relationship. And when I say lead, it doesn't mean you're the boss. It just means that you're giving shape to energy. You're giving momentum uh, Mm -hmm. and forward motion to what goes on in your relationship. Mm -hmm. That you're able to withstand those storms of emotions and still continue down the path together, kind of versus like getting separated or getting washed away in the river. Um, And you actually answered or started a question that I wrote down that I think a lot of the most probably common thing that a married man says about his wife is that I just can't do anything right. Like that Mm -hmm. is probably the most single common sentence that a universally that men can say that, which is almost where like we've been troubleshooting it for years and decades. And it's just like, I just feel like I can't tell you how many times I've heard that and how many times maybe I've felt that as well, that that's just where this road ends when you sacrifice your power because you you're coming at it from the wrong angle almost. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've heard it too. So <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a cop-out. Um, it, it's coming from the perspective of a man who has felt like he needs to earn love, mm-hmm. right? And so what he's saying is, it's like he's working for someone and he's saying, no matter what I do, you're never happy. And um, in his mind, if he does everything she wants and he gets it right, there should be rewards. And in a woman's mind, that just means that you don't really love her mm-hmm. because your expectation is that everything you do should be, well, there should be a payoff. So if we look at what's in the background of that, it really is a sense of self-worth around masculinity. It's this idea that she's on a pedestal, that everything she needs is more important, that you need to earn her love. You need to earn her affection and her desire for you. And Uh, Like you said, when you're coming from that place, there's just tremendous frustration and resentment. Um, And you never learn to truly appreciate what you bring as a masculine being and and how to magnify that and use it well. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe let's p- dive into that word because that word has really been used more since the Me Too movement. But I would say I often, it's almost like a rabbit hole for me because I start going down that analysis of masculinity, but I never really could figure it out. So if there's a dad out there that can't figure out what this word truly means and how to like reflect in on himself if he's truly being masculine, what's your most basic definition that you you use for men that are just kind of entering this idea of understanding what masculinity is? What you mean is a definition for masculinity? Yeah, like what do you, where do you see that? What do you see it as something when you need to teach someone about it? What's your explanation of it? Well, most men um, really relate to the idea of the masculine being directional and focused, still um, powerful. And they relate to the feminine as being yielding, flowing, receptive. If we think of the feminine as energy without form and the masculine as form, it really makes for a beautiful pairing and a beautiful dance. I mean, that's a, that's a simple way of putting it, but the bottom line is a woman wants to feel that she can rest into a man's strength and his solidity. And a man wants to feel that he can be called into a woman's love, into her heart, into her formlessness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, her res- receptivity. So what I always hope to help a man see is the value of what he brings and um, how tremendous it is for the woman that he loves. Because when he doesn't recognize it, he finds himself on this wheel where he's trying to earn his way into her body, into her heart, um, rather than just being what he is in a powerful way. It makes perfect sense. And I'm glad your definition aligned with what I've been diving into my own definition, because I would say in November, I started carrying around a military challenge coin and it was a Marine Corps one. And it was some advice to, to that I hold it in my pocket and to grab the coin and remind myself that I'm Ben Cole. I'm a United States Marine and I'm capable of going through what I'm going through. And then I started thinking like the person I've looked in the mirror every day forever, all my life, I've never really fully loved that person looking back for almost consistently. I've never loved the person looking back. And then I would always go into the world to try to fill that gap of what I was missing or what I thought I was missing. But now that I've kind of used this challenge coin and I've really gone in with this mindset of focusing on fully loving the person looking back. And I've even found myself in the last few weeks when I go to bed, like saying to myself in my head, I love you, Ben Cloy, because it, it, really, just, it really helps reconform that I am already enough for who I need to be. And I just need to be that. And it's not something else I need. It's I just really need to be me. And I've almost been thinking like when you reach the point where you can look in the mirror, love that person looking back emotionally on the inside and the outside, masculinity is almost a byproduct automatically of that person, that man that knows who he is, knows how to show up as that person and is confident in who he is looking back in the mirror inside and outside. Exactly. And then... Is that pretty much, is that the right way to frame it in my head or am I missing something still? Well, I think the thing you're hitting on that resonates with me is that you're starting to feel your natural masculinity. 
So if you're not trying to be something, you naturally likely desire to put things into motion, to complete projects. Um, you're naturally good at focus. You have a desire to protect, right, and support. Um, men are so incredible in that way, in the way they have this organic desire to give women what they want. Mm -hmm. And women have that organic desire too, when we don't let our judgments of men or our ways of trying to control you get in the way. So yes, I think what you're saying is really important. I think when you know your own value, and this isn't some big ego thing, I think it's more at the spiritual level of recognizing that you're perfect. Mm -hmm. And it's the Mr. Rogers message. I love you exactly <laughs> the way you are. Yeah, exactly. I've been listening to that a lot lately. There's a Finding Fred podcast that really has uh, got me diving into Mr. Rogers again. And it's essentially that you need to recognize that you're everything you need to be. Um, and that's one of my biggest lessons in 2019. I didn't learn it till November is I've had everything inside. I needed to, to go forward to be Ben Colloy. And I just needed to believe that it was always there because for almost all my life, I doubted that it was there because the environment and the people I was surrounded with kind of removed that masculinity that I wasn't everything that needed to be. And I was less, and I was less of a person because of that. And I had to work through it and recognize it was already there. And I've even been thinking of when it comes to marriage that it, a lot of times people will talk in a way that like, oh, she's my better half or she completes me. But I've really been thinking like a marriage should be gravy for your life, not something that puts two pieces together. Like it, you should already be the meat and potatoes of your life. And the marriage is just a way to enhance and to grow emotionally what you already have. Exactly. And I, I don't think that's something that's talked about in that way. Like. I think that's where you can get into the conflict of the bargaining because you keep trying to bargain for what you were originally seeking from the marriage as a, like a social contract. Like, Hey, I agreed that you would fill me up and my tank would be filled because I'm always running at 75%. And in the beginning you filled that other 25 and now you don't, there's something wrong with that, but that's not where marriage can blossom because it's not on an equal playing field almost. And so often men are sitting in front of their wives and having no idea whatsoever why that woman would be attracted to them. Mm -hmm. And so with that in mind, they feel like, well, I've got to really do something here. I've got to work to make myself attractive to her mm -hmm. because they don't have a sense of that natural way that she gravitates toward the masculine, mm -hmm. right? So they get on that wheel and they're like, let me do the chores, let me cut the lawn. Um, all of the things that they feel they need to do to earn their way into or convince her to be lovers with him. Or they buy completely into happy wife, happy life, where as long as she's happy, we'll be happy. But that's not really what makes mutual happiness. I really don't like that expression at all because it also, I think, um, it diminishes the power of women. It essentially says we're like children. Right. Correct. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, and then you can even reverse it that sometimes it's like men are like puppies. Like you give us a treat, we'll do something. And <laughs> we keep wanting to do something to get something what we want. Right. And that's just not um, humanizing for either party. And it, over time, that just kind of erodes your own ability your, to have your feminine, your masculine be a powerful part that can grow something versus take away from something. Exactly. And, um, you know, I work with men on teaching them to develop a dignified sexuality. 
And what I mean by that is the recognition of the sacredness of who you are and what you bring sexually. Because if you're coming from that place of she's the boss and um, I've just got to placate her, do whatever she says to keep her quiet and also to get her to give me sex, um, there's no way that woman is going to find you to be attractive and desirable. Mm-hmm. It's only a powerful man that can ignite a woman's desire. Oftentimes men think it's, um, it's obedience. It's, um, you know, being agreeable. It's, it's the support. Yes, we want the support. The support's an important part of it. It's one of the reasons that we unite with men. But it's not the peace around the sexual attraction. That is your power. And that's where you stand for who you are. That's where you know what you are, right? And you don't allow her to bargain with her sexuality. um, And you don't bargain with your love. Mm -hmm. There's one topic that I've been talking about, and it kind of just randomly came in a podcast episode of building a bridge of empathy. So there's a thing that happens where the husband has been gone generally for six months up to a year for deployment. And then you have to come home and there's those coming home videos where everybody's mutually excited and it's a honeymoon phase, but then real life happens and you're emotionally at different spots and maybe he's trying to take control. Maybe she's trying to continue down the path because she learned to live without you. She created systems and processes that didn't require you to be there. She emotionally wanted you, but she had to continue. What advice would you give to a dad that needs to re-emotionally connect to where a wife has kept going without them for a while. Um, How would you approach that situation? I love that question. Yeah, because she's decided over time that she didn't need you in some way. Mm -hmm. And and this isn't good. So what you want to feel, what you want her to feel, is your masculine uh, love, your masculine leadership. So I would ask her to sit with you and make it very clear that you want to connect with her and create a space, you know, a a sacred space for the two of you to do that and to look deeply into each other's eyes and and let her know that um, you missed her and that you want to reconnect and you want to hear from her heart what's been going on for her. And... um, the better the quality of your attention, the more she's going to feel, you know, your masculinity and the more she's going to re- recognize how much she's missed feeling you under her, feeling you supporting her and lifting mm-hmm. her up. So Re- I would start Reignite there. that flame that's gone kind of, it's like the fireplace in the summer. You turn it down, but it's still there and you need to figure out a way in the winter to get it going again and turn that knob up. Um, and I like what you said because often way I've always framed it is like you need to approach the situation with extreme curiosity because she had trials and tribulations that you weren't able to receive and she had to weather those storms and maybe they never actually became storms. She had to keep them locked down in a box and being able to approach with curiosity of what life was like while you were gone kind of allows you to emotionally understand where each other are and then kind of move forward together, which is where the bridge comes in. Like, you cross the bridge with her and join her where she's at now versus trying to like meet up at an intersection that you keep missing each other by five minutes that you mostly go to the same spot. You know, and, and it occurs to me because I'm not in the military, obviously. Um, 
that you're talking about long stretches of time, mm-hmm. six months a year, right? I would think it would be even more powerful to get into bed, you know, and cocoon together, to get into bed, to um, stroke her face, her hair, look into her eyes, touch her heart, you know, tell her how much you miss her, hold her, and then gently like talk. You've got to, you've got to warm her up, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to warm her heart up and get her heart to trust you again as someone who can open her. So I think the cocoon is important, you know, in touching each other again. It can seem, you know, if you've been apart that long, sitting down and talking can seem a little bit formal. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I like that. And, and um, that's, I mean, that's something that I think we probably go in with the idea of for sex, but we need to pull back a little bit and really do the warm up foreplay that, is missing and to create that safe space for her to really feel. And I think the one word that most people don't talk about enough, and I find it in my, my own doings on daily basis is you really need to create a space for trust to grow. Like trust is the one word that she's looking for in all your, your actions almost that she needs to be able to trust everything that you do and that your word matches your trust and your actions. And then she can start to feel safe because if she doesn't trust you, then she's always going to reserve a little bit of what she's truly feeling, a li- hold back a little because she's not sure where it's going to go. Exactly. And I think when you're reuniting in that way, she wants to trust that she can give you her heart again. So you want to imagine that you have her heart in your hand. And as you lay there with her and you look into her eyes and you talk to her and the tones that you use, it's all about massaging that heart and saying, you can trust me again to be your man. You can trust me to hold your heart and not smash it, to open you, you know. And that warm-up is important. And, um, and you're right about trust. I think if a man were to think, I'm always carrying my woman's heart in my hand, I think then you would be more tender and more circumspect in how you respond to her and her emotionality too. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I've heard it said when you have kids, it's like having your heart beat outside your body. Um, and they're running around banging into walls and hurting themselves. And it's your heart. Literally, you could, it's just your heart stops all the time. And I like the way you framed it, that you're holding her heart because that's kind of what you've committed to. And you need to be able to go forward with that trust of holding in her heart. And that's when, when she pulls back her heart from your hands, that's when she almost switches to, to masculinity on her own, where she takes control because there's no longer trusting and she needs to be the one that drives. And then that's where you sacrifice your own power to be a man as well. Then, Yeah. Another thing occurs to me around um, the coming back then, which is um, uh, it was something you just said around the trust. Um, uh, I know what I was going to say. I think if you're able to say something about and acknowledge what she's been through on her own, that helps her to drop the armor. So you, you brought up something brilliant around. She puts up this, this armor. She essentially says, I don't need you in her own way. She has to. Yeah. She misses you, right? The system says you need to survive on your own. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm the man too. So um, to get her to drop that armor, if you recognize, if you acknowledge what she's been through emotionally and you tell her it must have been really hard for you, really hard to do it all on your own mm-hmm. and to not have my support 
then you're going to be milking her emotionally. You're going to be opening her up. You're going to be getting her to drop the armor and say like, yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. That's a good lead into your book of open her up. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? That, that isn't that, that that's the title of her book, your book, right? It's open her, open her almost. I, I almost got it. Um, there was one other thing that I think that could set military dads up for struggle is so we're coming back from either war or sometimes it could just be a TDY, which is just a training that maybe is like eight weeks away or eight weeks or six months or just some crazy training in some other part of the country. Um, but then we, we won't process what we feel. So when you think about a man that's not willing to process a feeling, what are some of the, the um, what are our, what's our armor up for protecting ourselves? Like, what is it about that lo- prevents us from feeling something generally as a man in your experience? I think what you mean is you won't process with your woman. No, maybe not process with a woman, but like if we had maybe had trauma from like PTSD and we're not willing to acknowledge it, or if we lost a friend, like maybe we also had something to feel and we really suck at feeling what we need to feel as military dads. Cause the military programs you that your emotions will get you killed. So that training carries over to all your life and it doesn't have a safe place to exist on its own. Um, and I think it comes from the lone wolf mindset that men have in our society in 2019 in Western culture that you have to do it alone but there's some armor that kind of like prevents us from sharing that, that raw feeling that we're having, even not to necessarily to our wife, but even just to another human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, with that training, I, I can imagine why. Um, yeah. But also, you know, you're masculine. And so you've also been cultured to believe that there's something wimpy about that and mm-hmm. weak. And so, um, I think, you know, a man can't be, fully in his power unless he's able uh, to feel what he feels and become masterful around his emotionality. So I understand that women often don't, or men often don't want to do this with women and women actually, sometimes they can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best way to do your emotions is alone in, in your journal. It's a super powerful way to process emotions um it's a way of recognizing what you're feeling it's a way of being with it moving through it you know clearing yourself Mm -hmm. so that you're not carrying around a bunch of things that are unprocessed yeah cause you they get in the way of you actually being intimate and loving somebody and i found that when writing like i could have 20 versions of the truth in my head and they're all just it's just like living in a cloud or a fog but if I write one version comes out and it's usually the exact version that I need to hear. And then I kind of like, well, the other ones are BS. This is the one that's true. And then now it's out and it's processed. Um, you actually reminded me of a thought that I often repeat that, um, for 10,000 years, men survived on in tribes in this world. And it's been the last 200 that men have really gone to an isolation mode and that we continue to try to think that the last 10 years, 10,000 years had it wrong and that men were really meant to do it alone and we can't share something vulnerable with other men. But, and we have it in the military. We just don't have permission almost to be vulnerable. But on the other side, when we don't have friends and we transition out from the military, we isolate ourselves because we lost the military. We lost our brotherhood. Have you researched how the masculine is related to having that tribe and how they go hand in hand almost? Cause I feel like having a tribe 
strengthens your masculinity because you do get to talk to men who are going through the same life as you and you can kind of just find a bond in the shared pain? I haven't done a lot of research and I'm not an expert on that topic, but I will say that I've noticed that men who seem the most happy and balanced have in some way tapped into the tribe of men. They've found a place and sometimes it's hard for men, especially the men I work with because they feel in some way unworthy. Like they haven't earned a right to be in the tribe of men. Hmm. And they feel it's almost like, like the Spartan warrior tribe. Like I'm not a Spartan warrior. I can't pound on my chest yet because I still have a dad bod. Right. And we, <laughs> we, we, we hold back because we need to have the, um, Superman body, the Superman body, <laughs> uh, and to go in and be like, Oh yeah. And it's almost like, uh, when you're, if you have, maybe you can like picture a caveman fighting over a woman of like banging on their chest. And, but at the same time, like that's all BS. Like, I often think like men did that. We hunted, we, we grew, we raised kids. All of that was together. Like none of it was alone. Even women have the same thing that women were in a tribe together. They, they shared know-how, they shared responsibilities. They fair, they shared connection with each other and we've never been more connected, but never been more disconnected as a society emotionally because we have this fear of saying something real because of how it could be judged or, just because almost everybody says what's positive, not necessarily what's real. And it, it, it really takes away permission for, for a man to, to feel what they need to feel. But at the same time, the magic of what I've uh, found is vulnerability that when you share something you're having as a real thought, you're almost immediately giving permission for someone to go second. Like, and it doesn't take long for someone to go second, but it was, they were all waiting in the room for someone to go first. But that's the magic of having a tribe. Like when someone person says exactly how they're feeling, you'll almost have 15 other dads. Like I've been doing life with Larry Hagner and the dads group for almost four years now. And you can't, it happens daily that someone will post something and then 15 people immediately say like, dude, you just hacked my life. And there's an immediate sense of I'm no longer alone in this feeling. And then that feeling kind of loses its power over you as well. Like it can pass through you because your brain will tell you that you're alone on this feeling. No one else has this feeling according to Facebook. But when you're in a tribe, that BS is, is quickly washed away. I love hearing you say this because it actually gives me such a feeling of well-being as a woman when you talk about your tribe. I don't know what it is, but I, know, I think I do know what it is. I think there's a... Um, there's a sadness that I've always felt around men in isolation because I think our human nature is to be part of a tribe. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. I think isolation is what causes depression and suicide and all kinds of mental illnesses. And I think um, it's hard as a woman to be in relationship with a man who doesn't have a tribe or doesn't have friends because it feels um, there's a loneliness around it. There's, um, he needs other men. Other men give you something you can't possibly get from your woman. And when you try to use your wife as a therapist, the results never work. Like your, your wife isn't designed to be your accountability department. Your, your, the feedback your wife would give as a therapist would almost destroy you sometimes. And that's why you need <laughs> someone else to hear it. Because there's no way love and that kind of feedback can grow in the same space. And she's not going to find that attractive if you're coming from the point of, I need something from you that norm, isn't normal for a marriage. You can get support and love for what you're trying to go through 
But I think to look for your wife to be that tribe or I know for me, like before I had friends, like first probably five years of our marriage, I had nobody. And I was always looking for my wife to be my best friend and never looking externally for friends in my life. And that just was always a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm on the other side of that, it, it's like um, the best advice I give military dads transitioning is find as many strangers as possible and start talking to them because that's where you're going to create opportunity for your life. That's where you're going to create connection. That's where you're going to feel alive. And just getting practice at it allows you to be a more connected human being easier without thinking of it. You don't have the hesitation of, because like for me, um, being rejected, asking girls out in high school, every person I would randomly go up to was a high school girl that was going to say no immediately. I would just assume she was going, he, that person doesn't even have to be a girl was going to say no. And I was so fearful of that rejection that someone wasn't going to like me because I didn't love myself. So I was looking for others to love me. And it was kind of this oxymoron of I'm afraid to talk to people to be like, but at the same time I kept looking for externally for other people to like me. Exactly. Yeah. You were saying, you know, men have this fear of, of vulnerability and yet, you know, you were describing that when you're vulnerable in this group, so many other men pour out their vulnerability too. And, and that it's different than what you would get from a woman. I am curious, like how how that feels as a man, um, you know, to be able to be vulnerable and have other men be vulnerable. Uh, there's a good story that you might enjoy. So I went to uh, Larry did a Dad's Edge Summit two years ago, and it was the very first time I met the people I had done life with for almost two years online in person. So it's kind of like you have this identity crisis: am I the same person online as I am in real life? And I go into this event, it's in St. Louis, I'm really scared kind of, and I start handshaking people and then quickly people start upgrading to hugging. And I'm like, okay, I kind of expected this. Um, But at the same time, by the end of that conference, somehow I was never a hugger my entire life. It's never been something I've been comfortable with, I've been uncomfortable with it, like it, it doesn't make me feel good. By the end of that conference, I was labeled the guy that gives great hugs. So like by me stepping into a room of men who were all comfortable being themselves, that allowed me to step into a version of myself that I never even imagined. And now almost three years later, like that's something that if I don't give a guy a good hug, who knows I give good hugs, I must disappoint them because now there's an expectation that I'm going to give them something. And I remember coming back from that summit, like that the one first thought I had is like, I've never felt loved and fulfilled by 60 random men in my life, like pouring into you, just like validating you. Like I remember coming back and going to the gym the next day and looking in the mirror, lifting a a dumbbell and thinking, and for the first time in probably forever, seeing a badass looking back. And that was because the tribe had like filled me up. But that case, I was still looking externally, but I had the feeling of what it feels like to be fully loved. And now, like I was talking about last month, I've really kind of got like that love for myself has always been there. I didn't need that tribe to fulfill it. And now I can create that experience all on my own by stepping into my masculinity and to be that person that felt on the other side of that summit all on my own every single day. Wow, that's incredible. So it's crazy what can happen when you get charged with that kind of masculinity and comfortableness with it. Because these all the dads have kind of walked through this journey together. So... And there's all kind of dads at different stages. And um, it's, it's crazy when you start talking about what you're really feeling. Like I shared a story this past year at the summit about not having friends. 
And Larry, for the very first time, when I first heard him, he was like the big brother that I never had. And I was like, this guy's amazing. And I shared about that story and a dad came up to me afterwards and immediately started crying because I had just said exactly what he was feeling. And he didn't even really pause. Like he immediately just started crying. Like he couldn't contain how much I unleashed emotionally inside because I had said what he was feeling, but wasn't willing to acknowledge. And that's mm-hmm. what the power of vulnerability happens. I think that in that tribe, you can gift someone a complete description of what they're feeling, but maybe too scared to acknowledge and label it. Yeah. And what I'm hearing from you is men need to be vulnerable around other men in a way they can't be with women because it mm-hmm. feels too risky. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, 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 it fractures that word, the trust that we talked about that the, when you create that vulnerability, it creates uncertainty in who you are and that lessens your power and women crave certainty. And so when you create uncertainty, then it kind of just counteracts what you're trying to create in your marriage. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And this is a thing that is hard to talk about, but it's true that it is hard for us to hold your vulnerability in some ways because of how much we count on you to be that solid bank for us, right? Mm-hmm. To some degree, we think we want it and we try to call it out of you. And then sometimes we're scared of it. And I think it's why men need to have other men. You know, and particularly in the military, you be able to, you need to be able to say that was terrifying, mm-hmm. and and really express what's going on for you, um, and feel accepted by other men, and feel like you're part of that larger tribe. Mm-hmm. And that you're exactly who, the Mister Rogers. That other people love you exactly who you are. That you don't need to try to be someone else. Like exactly. that feeling can do a lot for you to to come home to your marriage. Um, and not talking about it, I mean, the military, military families have one of the highest divorce rates of any group of people in the United States. And I think it's ultimately because there's no, on the masculinity side, the man side, there is just no safe place to really say what you're feeling. When you're at work, you're just talking a bunch of nothingness almost. And, but at the same time, you really want to talk about your kids, your wife, or what you felt or what you're feeling inside. And all of that is looked at as upon weakness when you're in the military. Hmm. Yeah, and then when your woman is bringing you challenges, it feels like it's just all really overwhelming. Like there's no support there for you. There's one thing that often comes up. Um, it's not my case because I talk about my feelings fairly often. But there's always a lot of women will describe like, I really just want him to open up. Like he's one word answers. He doesn't really show emotion. What is it that women are really asking for in that case where they're not asking for like for them to say they're scared of something, but what is it in that moment that women are asking for when they ask for their men to be more emotionally connected? It can be one of two things. One, it can be, I want to hear you tell me how you feel about me. Okay. So like validating who I am as a woman. Yeah. And how much you love me and why you love me. Mm -hmm. You have to be sensitive to what she's really asking for. You can ask her to clarify which of these she would prefer, or it can be that she really does want to know, like, for example, you know, if I had a military man, I would want to know, like, what do you feel out there? You know, especially if you're in combat. And, um, but what we want is you to be able to express what you feel from a place of claiming it, from a place of ownership. So that means you actually have to be able to be with it and process it in a way that's powerful for you. 
Because if you come to her and you're falling apart around that emotion, that feels scary to us. Mm -hmm. It's like, for example, women will often say, when I saw my father cry, I lost it. Because he was the pillar of of power and togetherness, right? Mm -hmm. And, And we come to expect that from men. But again, when you express emotion in a way where we feel like you have it, right? You've got it. Uh, that's very different. That feels amazing. And maybe what you're hitting on is, I've I read a meme recently that said, you can't really process what she's feeling if you're not processing the pipes and what your own feelings. So maybe like what she really wants is for you to say what you feel and what's going on, but you really can't because it's all compact in the same drawer. So the things that scare you, the vulnerabilities, the things you don't talk about, the things that are in your shadows that you avoid to keep into the, or show into the light, that's all in the same compartment, whatever you feel with your wife. And you're afraid that if the drawer opens, it'll all come out. And it comes down to that. What we just talked about with the tribe, you really need to have a clean drawer so that you can talk about how your wife makes you feel or what the future life with you together. And I've often given this advice for military and just in general, like oftentimes married marriage, you focus on the kids for the first 20 years but then you lose sight of who each other are and you can become strangers. Like your kids are going to leave. So you need to prioritize them, make sure they turn into good adults. But your wife is one of the only commitments that takes you to the grave. Like there are very few contracts that you've committed to go to that far point in your life. And none of our priorities, none of our really our work or our choices really align to that. I would say it's something that a lot of men and women struggle with as, as women enter the workforce, they get caught up in that. And we both lose sight that this is the one thing that's supposed, this boat is supposed to last us for 80 years and it requires daily maintenance. It's not something that you can just skip for 10 years and hope that the leaks don't keep coming. That mm-hmm. it, that mindset needs to happen of showing up to your wife first. Um, but you, again, you can't really show up and feel what she needs to feel from her or express yourself what you're really feeling because you're maybe haven't expressed in a tribe. Um, what you're really scared of. Mm. Yeah, I, I like your metaphor around keeping the drawer clean because I think it, it has everything to do with what you're talking about. How can you sustain a relationship long-term if you're not tending to yourself? Mm-hmm. Which comes from the masculinity that if you really, if the drawer is not empty, then you're not tr- truly loving everything about you because there's parts of you that you avoid. And then there's parts of you when you look in the mirror that you don't acknowledge. And that detracts from your own power. Right. And then your, your partner's asking, like, what are you hiding? And mm-hmm. she keeps pressing you, like, open up to, open up to. And you're afraid to because you haven't processed your own emotion. You don't know how, you don't know how to wrangle that thing in. And you're like, no, that's a disaster in there. If I open that up, it's going to you know, blow everything up. Mm-hmm. Well, I think as we wrap up this interview, we have dove into topics that we have never dove in on this podcast, and I am excited to crack this Pandora's box open. Um, and you've kind of reconnected my own soul to the idea of this and validated a lot of thoughts that I've had. So you've given me a gift as well from sharing your wisdom. If there is a piece of advice you want to leave for military dads is kind of one fundamental philosophy that you run into with men when you're coaching them, what would that advice be? I think it needs to touch on, you know, the central theme that we've been talking about, 
is um, take care of your own business, like really create a relationship with yourself that's powerful. Because otherwise you have all these skeletons in your drawer. You have all the stuff that you're running from and hiding from, and you're not gonna be able to sit and be a powerful leader with the woman that you love because you're this mess that um, at any kind of prodding really can just fall apart. So I would say tend to you, tend to your masculinity, tend to your emotions. And, um, and from that, you'll be able to tend better to hers. Mm-hmm. And let whatever she's saying flow through versus reacting to it and tr- digging in as like a almost trench warfare and trying to win the <laughs> argument. Like if you're not trying to win it. You're trying to feel and process what she's dealing with. And, um, but you can't process and feel that if it's getting all muddled up in your own stuff. Exactly. I like that advice. And it does sum up kind of what we've talked about that you need to be a conduit that's free of muck to be able to really feel what she needs to feel and stand that storm and allow those undercurrents to pass you. And and that the coin that I carry, I really kind of describe it as when I'm standing in the river and I feel an undercurrent, that coin is like me sticking a stake eight feet in the ground. And it's that extra anchor point that I need in that moment to remind myself that I am not defined by the river flowing around me. And that it can just flow around me if I stand still. Mm. I don't have to get washed away by it. That's beautiful. And like this whole episode has been been beautiful because it it kind of tied everything that I've been working on and what we've been talking about this past year on the podcast. And I can't wait to get it out there. Karen, if people want to connect with you more or um, read your book, where, where's the best place they can find you? Well, you can go to KarenBrodyCoaching.com. And um, if you're interested in coaching, that's the place to contact me. And then my book is on Amazon. It's called Open Her, H-E-R, Activate Seven Masculine Powers to Arouse Your Woman's Love and Desire. Is there any one of those seven that you would say we talked about most or we'd probably hit on a lot of them? Mm. Or is there a whole nother level that we didn't really go into that your book does? We probably touched mostly on the warrior, which is perfect for this interview. True. <laughs> Good lead in for people to go the, to read the book. Um, well, like I said, Karen, I really appreciate this. And I am positive we brought a lot of dads home, not just to their kids, but to their marriage, which is the foundation of creating a solid family. And this whole podcast is about reconnecting and bringing dads home physically and mentally because we come home, but we don't come home mentally. And I am positive we gave people permission to come home tonight. Thank you so much, Ben. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.